Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have a full panel, which means Jorna Taylor is sitting across from me. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna, thanks for being here. Happy day to everybody out there in Battleground land. Yeah, well, it is August. Yeah, and uh, that means we're in the heat of summer, but uh, lots going on, and uh, our panel also includes Robert Craig. Robert Craig is our executive director. Robert. Good day, everyone. So we have talked extensively here the last couple of weeks at the Battleground about the Foxconn deal. Um, we, of course, started very alarmed uh, when the deal was first announced uh, but by certainly by last week, we're pretty we're we're in full opposition, and we're we're happy to have Representative Jonathan Brostoff on last week really lay out uh, his critique against it. Uh, but one thing that we have not had a good uh, opportunity to dive in deep, and we're going to do that this week, uh, and that is the environmental concerns that were raised almost immediately uh, 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 with the announcement of this, the environmental movement. Uh, got out and raised some clear opposition around some of the concerns around uh, what was happening with the environment related to the Foxconn bill. So this week we have a special guest to dive into that a little deeper, and that is Carrie Schumann. Carrie is the executive director of the Wisconsin League of Conservation Voters. Carrie, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So first of all, uh, we want to say thank you to you and your organization for getting out and really helping educate the public on this. Uh, but tell us, start educating us, what are, the, what are the key reasons the environmental movement, and in particular WLCV, is in current opposition to the, the Foxconn plan? Sure. Well, you know, when Governor Walker, you know, introduced or did the whole big announcement around Foxconn, it took him less than 24 hours to then announce the special legislative session to and throw out this piece of legislation that basically on the environmental front just gives Foxconn a pass on um, all the environmental protections that other companies have to um, follow. And they're not, um, these aren't you know, just regulations for regulation's sake. These are um, things that fundamentally make sure that people living near the facility have clean drinking water. They have um, they they have rivers that they can still fish in. That they're um, not they're not impacted in a negative way by the the facility. So some of the specific things are um, they're given a free pass on wetlands. They can fill in wetlands um, under this piece of legislation. And the reason that matters is that um, wetlands are sort of the natural sponges that um, prevent a lot of flooding. Um, they they um, basically, in addition to being sponges, they also act as a filtration system and clean water before it gets into the groundwater, which is the water we often drink. So they're really important. And when you look at southeast Wisconsin, which has had massive, massive flooding this year, which is in its cost an incredible amount of money um, and damage to people's lives um, to get rid of more wetlands, um, uh, it's just a, a problem for the people who live there. So that's one major thing. It also would allow them to um, to redirect streams, um, which is no small feat. <laughs> you know, rivers and streams have been um, setting their course for uh, many, many, many thousands of years, and to just redirect them has implications for anyone who lives downstream. So that's another piece. And I think one of the most troubling pieces is that it gives them um, an exemption from an environmental environmental impact statement. And the reason those matter a lot is that um, that's how you find out what 
impact a, a facility is going to have on the environment and health. And so um, without doing that, you know, assessment of lay of the land, um, you, don't, you don't necessarily know what you're coming up against, whether it's endangered species or, um, a, you know, creating additional flooding. You have to do the environmental impact statement in order to figure that all out. So those are kind of the core things. I will say there's one other thing that we have some concern about um, is it does specifically mention um, the Great Lakes Compact and the Great Lakes, and they are going to use a huge amount of water for this processing plant. And um, we don't exactly know the legal implications of that, but one of the things we have to be very concerned about is if they were to take Lake Michigan water out of Lake Michigan and then not return it to the lake watershed. Uh, if it went got dumped into the Mississippi River watershed instead, that would could be a huge problem for shipping and um, species in the lake. That's the basics. So, Carrie, thanks for all your work on this. Uh, one thing that I think is just incredibly troubling and puzzling, contradictory perhaps, is that uh, DNR Secretary Kathy Stepp has talked about how her agency supports removing regulatory hurdles, so getting rid of you know any of these things that you've talked about protecting, but that environmental standards won't be compromised. I don't really understand how those two things um, mash together. They don't, and actually this has been um, one of Governor Walker and his appointees talking points uh, since he took office. They constantly say it won't affect environmental standards um, when they're basically getting rid of environmental protections. Um, it means nothing. Um, it, it absolutely will compromise um, protections for our air and water. So it, it's a buzz phrase that they've been using for seven years now, and it means nothing. And, uh, you know, Secretary Stepp is um, basically falling, you know, falling all over, you know, herself to um, pave the way for Foxconn, which is absolutely appalling when you think of what the mission of the Department of Natural Resources is supposed to be, which is to protect the environment, protect our air and our water and our open spaces, and instead they have become nothing but, you know, uh, a place for businesses to get, get things done as quickly as possible. I, I sat through the very badly, you know, testified, badly run, uh, uh, less than scintillating, nearly 10-hour hearing, uh, but they said repeatedly that there are all these federal standards anyway, and they'll protect the environment, and things like the uh, environmental impact statement are just, you know, bureaucratic bookkeeping. So there's two things to think about with that. One is, do we really trust the current administration at the federal level to be protecting our air and water? I don't think so. So the fact that we could, that, um, <laughs> that we could just go, well, let the federal government take care of that may have worked a little bit in uh, previous administrations, it's clearly not now. Trump has come out guns a-blazing on the environment and public health. So I think that's one really important piece. The other important piece is that when you do this stuff, when the Department of Natural Resources does this work at the state level, they really are getting deeper into a set of things that they, they won't at the um, federal level. Part of it is public participation um, and transparency, people who are going to be impacted and live near the um, facility knowing what the impact is going to be on them and having a chance to weigh in. That's an important piece of what would happen. And, um, there's also the reality that in Wisconsin we protect more wetlands than um, 
than are protected under federal law. And there's a very important reason for that. We have a ton of wetlands, and those wetlands play, like I said, such an important role in, in cleaning our water and preventing flooding that we, years ago, um, the state decided that we would protect those wetlands. Those are just a couple examples of why the state staying diligent and doing their job is really important. And frankly, every other company in the state, you know, follows these protections. There's no reason to give a handout to this out-of-state company that put money in the pocket of someone in another country. That That's just an absurd thought. I realize, you know, looking at some of this, that this doesn't isn't just for Foxconn. It would apply to any company locating in this new enterprise zone that the statute creates. And are you concerned that this actually becomes the new standard, that if they do this, this is what they offer to any company that chooses to, to take the bribes that conservative politicians want to give them to locate themselves here in Wisconsin, all over the state, so impacting the environment, potentially and risking it everywhere, not, not only in the southeast corner of the state? Absolutely. And in fact, things are, have moved in that direction in the last couple of years. I mean, we all remember the open pit mining bill. It was very similar to this in that it was giving basically a bunch of exemptions and handouts to one company. That was a perfect example of this exact type of thing happening in Green Bay, also where a company was being given um, an exemption to fill in a wetland in a Cabela's, ironically, an outdoor store uh, filled in the wetland and is uh, now situated there. So this has been a trend in recent years to give these handouts to specific companies. So I do get concerned that at some point, and, and actually Representative Jarko actually said the minute this bill came out, well, this should just be the way it is for everybody. And if you're someone like us who live here and we have to breathe the air and drink the water and we want to be able to take our kids swimming and take our kids camping and hiking and spend time outdoors, it has a direct impact on our lives. Unfortunately, we have to uh, wrap up our conversation here, but we want to first of all, thank you for taking the lead on this. But also, before you go, look, it seems like the tide might be changing. What do you recommend to our listeners that they do to get involved? Because people are really angry about this. Uh, Senate, um, what what is WLCV advising folks? Sure. So I, the thing I just keep telling people is this is not a done deal. And um, we need to remember that it's not a done deal that the legislation will pass, and it's not a done deal that Foxconn will come here. And so we shouldn't just throw up our hands. Um, the, you know, the Senate leadership yesterday very clearly said they didn't have the votes, so let's keep them from getting the votes. You know, we just saw at the federal level on the health care stuff that uh, you can actually turn the tide. So I think people should definitely contact their decision makers. I think in particular, if you are someone who is a an employer or you have friends who are employers, I think those are important people for um, legislators to hear from because um, this company is uh, being handed things that are really unfair to other businesses in the state. So in addition to harming the environment and putting us in, you know, coming out of taxpayers' pockets. So um, contact your decision makers. Ideally, call them. That's the, the best. Or if not, send them a letter. Um, you can go to our website, which is www.conservationvoters.org, and we have an action alert on there that folks can do. But yeah, don't, don't assume it's over. We, uh, we could still fight this thing. We agree with you 100%. Thank you, Carrie, so much for joining us and for helping lead this fight back on the environmental front. Thank you. We got to get out of here. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to Battleground Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action, and you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. 
So we want to thank Carrie Schumann for joining us in our first section to give us sort of an overview of the broader critique uh, that we have of Foxconn from uh, the environmentalist side. And we're really happy to have a, a second guest to join us to dive a little deeper into where the public is, which is absolutely critical and uh, might have been missing from the initial uh, discussion. And so with us, we have Raj Shukla. And Raj is the executive director with the River Alliance of Wisconsin. Raj, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So what's unique is uh, your organization did a survey, did a poll uh, very early in this process about sort of where people were at on Foxconn. Talk more about that. Not only the poll, but there was sort of a lack of discussion of where the public actually was early on. And Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, basically what you said would, we were starting to hear from our members immediately once details of this deal started to leak out into the world. Um, and once legislation was was released, there was a strong, strong feeling um, amongst our staff and amongst um, our members, most importantly, that one voice in all of the discussions around Foxconn and all of the, the cheering and the parades that the government been throwing and the and um, all the accolades that are being thrown to the governor by the president, we felt like we needed to hear from the public. And so we commissioned a poll. Um, it was of 739 res uh, voters statewide. So these are people who are engaged in the political process. They were split pretty evenly amongst Trump voters and Hillary voters. I think it was 44 percent were Trump voters, 43 percent were Hillary voters. Um, a split in thirds, basically, with uh, Republicans, Democrats, and independents. So a really representative look at the state. And we asked a couple of questions, um, one of which was, do people know about the deal? And about 85% of people know at least a little. Half of them know a lot about the deal. And then we asked about a couple of the provisions within the legislation. So asked if people supported um, – removing environmental protections as a condition of this deal. Um, so in order to get 13,000 jobs and, uh, you know, billions of dollars of subsidies uh, going to Foxconn and, you know, and, uh, and environmental regulations being stripped. So in order to get those 13,000 jobs, is it worth it to strip um, environmental regulations? And we're seeing overwhelming support, 68%, for keeping longstanding environment protections that have been doing right by our economy and doing right by our environment and our quality of life for a very long time. A couple other things that uh, we found really interesting. The, the public does not trust Foxconn to live up to the environmental commitments uh, uh, that they would have to make to maintain Wisconsin's high environmental standards. So 61% of these voters do not believe Foxconn will live up to our high environmental standards in Wisconsin. 57% don't believe Governor Walker's claim that the environment will be protected under this deal. And and lastly, and maybe most importantly, in this at this particular moment in the way this this legislation is moving, 69% um, of these voters, seven in ten. Um, they believe that we need to slow down, that we actually need to do due diligence on this project and actually look at the serious questions that are raised. You know, and Carrie, I know, uh, will have gone over the range of concerns that are out there from an environmental perspective. 
one thing that I think that we need to start talking about, and and this is this is not just environmentalists, but all of us in this state, is where is this heading next? I mean, one question that hasn't been answered in this whole discussion is who um, who demanded those environmental rollbacks, those regulatory rollbacks for this corporation? Was it a, something Foxconn insisted on, or was it something offered by the governor? Because my guess is that this is a this is just part of a wider strategy to deregulate um, and uh, remove protections, environmental protections across the board for any developments, not just in this sort of technology zone that the governor's proposing. I think it's part of a much bigger strategy, and um, I'd like that to be um, an issue that we address in this discussion. Is this just another? building block to this sort of deregulated free-for-all in Wisconsin that Governor Walker has said that he wants to see. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I, I the deregulation issue is not just environmental in nature. You know, obviously, uh, Walker and Republicans have been spending uh, all of his administration trying to roll back any sort of protections on anyone and anything. Uh, what is fascinating to me, it is the middle of summer. Nobody's paying attention to anything. People are on vacation. Yet 85% of Wisconsinites are paying attention to this. I'm pretty sure that more Wisconsinites are paying attention to this Foxconn deal than paid attention to the presidential election, or <clears throat> maybe things would have been different, but I digress. Uh, from your questions here, what is really startling, well, not startling, but sticks out to me, is there's about a 25 to 30% of Wisconsinites who are going to be lockstep with the governor on all of these things. They're not going to be movable, but we're seeing that base chip away from things like environmental deregulation and other sort of bad deals that the governor is making with President Trump. And so I think it's really interesting and I would encourage our listeners to take some time looking at this poll that you all did because it's a it's a fascinating snapshot of post Trump election, you know, Walker losing some of his shininess and Wisconsinites tuning in to some of the things that he's really doing to our state. I, I think that the folks that brought this forward I think they really, well, no, actually, let me take this back. I think that the, the people that brought this forward, Governor Walker and Representative Voss, uh, they know how unpopular this is. They're not, we're not the only ones doing polling on these questions. And that's exactly why they're trying to rush this through, which is essentially kind of leaving Senate Republicans out to dry on this. <laughs> and um, four in particular, which are like the swing, you know, the standard swing vote in the Senate right now. Um, I think those four senators are going to have to think um, – long hard about this deal and the longer this discussion goes on the better it is for um for wisconsin because we'll understand the truth of what this deal could mean and worse it is for governor walker walker and representative voss who seem to be you know maybe <laughs> the people that are going to benefit from this not necessarily outstate republicans or outstate democrats so what are you seeing on the democratic side here I mean, there are some Democratic elected officials that have taken a kind of wait-and-see attitude, and some have even supported it. So what are you seeing as far as there being any unity on the Democratic side, or should our listeners also be contacting Democratic legislators? Absolutely. 
absolutely, they should be contacting all of the legislators in 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 that bot in both the assembly and the Senate. Um, I think what you're seeing is, I think you're, what you're seeing is kind of a natural tension, and it's one that I share. Truly, I I agree with economic development. I want businesses to come into our state and and bring new technologies and bring innovation. That's a really, really good thing. It pushes us forward. Um, But I don't want to do it at the expense of clean water. I mean, I just don't think that that's, that's a trade that we can afford to make. And I think, like, we are, you know, mortgaging away our future by doing something like that. And so it's not necessarily surprising that when the prospect of early on in this discussion of billions of dollars in investments, thousands of jobs, um, those things look really good when you don't actually look at the details of a deal. But the more legislators have looked at this, the more questions come up. And um, the less credible the governor seems (laughs) as he's been talking about these incredible transformations that are going to occur without really talking about the costs clean water. Well, Raj, we want to thank you for appearing and uh, on our show, but also for doing this research that really injected the public into this discussion. Uh, we think that's really important and, of course, uh, raise these critical issues around uh, removing environmental standards. Uh, before you go, though, I do want to get you. You mentioned four Republican senators. Who are the four Republican senators that you think are important and if our listeners live in their districts uh, to well, prioritize calling? I'd say uh, Senator Teston, uh, Jerry Petrowski, um, Senator Coles, and Senator Olson. And um, I think those senators in particular um, are folks that um, that uh, your listeners and all of us in the state we really need to we really need to focus on communicating with those senators because they are. Um, They are influential in the Senate. They are reasonable voices in the Senate. Raj, we got to go, unfortunately. We got a break we got to take, but we really do thank you. And thank you for letting us uh, in on the four that uh, we should be persuasive. I know we got a lot of listeners out there in those areas, so uh, give them a call. Raj, thanks a lot for joining us. My pleasure. Take care. Okay, great. We got to run. We'll see you on the backside. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action, and you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. So before uh, we left you, we had uh, two really good conversations with uh, leading environmental leaders here in Wisconsin who are heading up the fight against Foxconn. Uh, But we wanted to talk uh, more Foxconn and uh, talk a little bit more about the actual political environment we're in. Uh, Raj mentioned that the people really were kind of void uh, the first couple of weeks. It was a lot of cheerleading. Um, that tide is changing. Um, Robert, I want to get your comments on uh, some something that happened in the Senate yesterday where Senator Fitzgerald, the Republican leader, uh, basically said, one, we have not been involved in the conversations. We're not at all involved in these talks. Two, I don't even know if I've got the votes in the Senate. And he doesn't like the timeline, right? Just this timeline is really compressed. Uh, in fact, descri- and describe the payback to what is it? I, I don't want to misquote the date, 2043, as striking, right? The, there's a real tidal wave of change here. We, we, and, and a lot of this has to do with the details, the details of what's going on. 
So talk a little bit more about the details, and then let's also have a conversation politically about could this thing be stopped? And I, I think we should put a big maybe under Fitzgerald's comments. Uh, we don't really have any information about the rivalries between Voss, Fitzgerald, and Walker. I know there's a lot we of media. We know they're big, Robert, right? I mean, we know they're big, that, so. but, you know, it could just be these cut out of it. But quite frankly, every major alleged business leader who is behind the Republican majorities in the state came, lined up and testified and said this is the best thing since sliced bread um, at the assembly here. Americans for Prosperity exception and the now only... MacIver having a big scathing story on it. So the, the, the libertarians are starting Though to... Though MacIver started their coverage, uh, their first coverage was positive and attacked us uh, for daring to question it. So who knows where they are. But... Uh, uh, but, uh, excuse me, McIver and America's Prosperity have far less influence than, say, than, say, the Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce and Tim Sheehy, the head of Milwaukee Metropolitan Association of Commerce, et cetera, et cetera. So, I, but here's the thing. Uh, Kerry is absolutely right. We stopped health care with no control, right, in, in the legislature. So we absolutely should resist. But let's not put our eggs in the Scott Fitzgerald's against it basket. That's all I'm suggesting. Oh, yeah. But as far as... How good, like it's like Ron Johnson. I was just about healthcare. to. I was just yeah. going to say he. This so, reminds me of Ron Johnson. It's a lot of process. Who now is taking pot shots yeah. against John McCain? Oh my, uh, we'll get to that. Yeah. So <laughs> here, here's the thing. I, I, I disagree slightly with Raj, our, our last guest, who made a great case on the environment and what the polling sh says, but said he can see why people are conflicted because you know economic development is a good thing. This is a horrible deal from the standpoint of economic development. I mean, it is incompetently managed. In fact, my understanding is that uh, Foxconn hired a, a big consulting firm to play the states off each other and get the best deal. And so our leaders were the suckers, uh, quite frankly, because if you look at the, even if you believe their numbers about how many jobs we created, which you shouldn't, because it's WEDEC and their CEO, Governor's horrendous job agency that negotiated the secret deal, and it's them who would verify the job creation. So just bear that in mind. And the Audit Bureau says, State Audit Bureau, this, this spring, that they still are not able to verify that jobs are actually created. And these are projects with 25, 50 jobs. So they're going to do the, big, the uh, project 50 times bigger in American history and hold in, in Wisconsin history, 50 times bigger than any economic development project in Wisconsin history, and verify it. We do want to give a shout out to Greg Newman for doing an excellent story this week, raising these concerns, which reporter is very from important. Yeah, reporter in Madison. Madison. Yep. And so, and we're raising those concerns as well, and and did at the hearing. Uh, my testimony at the hearing is uh, got around a lot too. So. The other thing, and by the way, 10-hour hearing, and the public was only allowed to testify in the last hour and a half, basically. Uh, but the other thing, and that was last Thursday, is, is that even if you believe in that the way to a strong economy is to bribe big corporations to come and grace us with their presence, right, there's data uh, looking at all state second development policies and, and what they pay per job that goes back to 1990. And on average, even if you take the best case scenario, and, the, and a lot of the scenarios are worse than best case, you take the best case scenario for Foxconn, in the best case scenario, we're paying six times more per job than the average, okay? So even if they were roughly even competent in negotiating a deal, we could produce 
a lot more than 13,000 jobs, right? We could, we could, we could, we could produce 78,000 jobs. On top of that, this is a direct investment. People are getting confused by the, the, the use of tax incentives. They already got rid of virtually all taxes for manufacturers. The, the, the famous MANAG tax credit, which is costing us half a billion dollars in this budget. So what these are going to be is cash payments. They're going to write, according to the Legislative Fiscal Bureau, checks of up to $311 million each year from the state of Wisconsin to Foxconn. So you literally could take that $3 billion and invest it in education, invest it in healthcare, invest it in clean energy and renewable energy. Guess what? The national metrics are if you did it in, in uh, education, it would be 87,000 jobs. You do it all over the state, you produce a lot more jobs than even Walker claims to the Foxconn deal. So by any standard, this is horrendous swindle. Until 2043, which I did the math on the other day, and I refuse to tell our listeners how old I'll be at that point. But, you know, it's a good deal for me. Um, Robert, you... you you mentioned negotiating the deal. Uh, this does not speak well to the art of the deal himself, uh, his his cheetoness. But um, the question of who he's trying to deal it's for. It's true. Though, right? He is he is negotiating a fantastic deal for himself. Scott Walker's reelection. Scott Walker yes. and yeah. What is fascinating to me on this, and it really reflects what's happening currently in our legislature on our state budget, is that. We, the Republicans control all three chambers. They have the governor, they have the assembly, and they have the Senate, and they can't get their <clears throat> act together to pass anything, a state budget, a Foxconn deal. Like, they just can't get it together, which, frankly, gives me a tiny ray of hope that perhaps some cooler heads are prevailing and they see how public opinion is turning against them and they're slowing down things like this. I, I won't hold out that hope for too long, but I, I think it is absolutely fascinating from a body that used to just ram things through without any regard for any public input or for any sort of debate, and now we're kind of at an impasse with full control. Well, that is fascinating. It, it's paralleling the national level, right, where Trump can pass nothing, but all good things are because of him, right? <laughs> bigly, so bigly things, I do Robert. want to push back a little bit about some of our friends attacking Foxconn. They've jumped all over the Legislative Fiscal Bureau memo that you referenced that says it'll take 25 years for it to make money. The problem is that fits into this right-wing frame that there is no money. Notice there's no money until Foxconn comes and there's $3 billion. So they're not serious about that. The fact is there is $3 billion that we should be investing in clean energy and education and in healthcare, and it would create a lot more jobs. So we don't want to fall in uh, to their paradigm, and that, which they're lying about anyway because they found $3 billion. And by the way, what we would do if we had progressive control, if we win a, elect a progressive governor, right, we would actually fund it. They have no funding mechanism for it. So they're going to cut schools. They're going to cut universities. They're going to cut health care. They're going to cut transportation because they're not, they don't believe in raising the revenue even for the roads they want to build, let alone for this. And they also have to build more roads to do this, as we, as we know. Obviously. So we mentioned uh, cutting a deal. And I think Raj had some insight that was useful uh, that this is probably less of a deal being negotiated than... Walker really trying to lay out the Walker agenda and offer it up to Foxconn in many ways. I'm sure Foxconn had interests and asked for things, but 
there are definitely things in here that fully sniff of, as he called it, the deregulated agenda, but the Walker agenda here. And so that is why I want to hearken to our listeners. This is absolutely critical that we push back against this because this is a huge opportunity to push back against the Walker agenda with something now that is starting to stink really bad. And the whole conservative approach to the economy, what conservative politicians want to do, because this isn't just Walker. These big economic development deals, and this is what the biggest ever one distinguished economic professor called it the uh, worst economic development deal in American history. Uh, I mean, that's how bad it is. But all of them kind of smell of this, have a big press conference, talk about these future jobs, get reelected, and then the consequences of them not happening are afterwards, much later, and you're never held accountable. So they don't even start billing this till 2020. So the consequences of this, the scandals about the jobs not being creating, Foscon just up and leaving, and which could leave Kenosha or Racine, whoever's lucky or unlucky enough to get this, literally bankrupt because of the TIF districts they're going to create and the, and, the, and, the, uh, and the obligations they'll take on. That'll all occur after Walker is, in his opinion, uh, elected president of the United States or somewhere elsewhere, right? So we're going to continue to push back against this at Citizen Action. We will have a link uh, on our webpage. Uh, to a petition that we have that we are uh, going to be taking to the legislature. Also, we'll uh, put a link on our page uh, to contact info to where you can get information about who your legislator is if you don't know. But also, please, make sure you contact both your uh, state assembly person and also your state senator. Uh, We have to take a break, and we'll be back on the other side. Welcome back. We are the Battleground Wisconsin, and we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Before we wrap up our conversation on Foxconn, which is now three three weeks running, um, look, this is super, super important. And uh, as we have mentioned, the tide seems to be turning on this as public gets more information. And one of the things that's really going to be important for our listeners and for all of us to be involved in is we have an important election uh, for governor and, uh, of course, all the legislature on the assembly side, and uh, half the Senate is up in 2018. How are they going to respond to this? Like, what are their positions going to be? Who's going to take a strong position against this? Who's going to be for it? And how does this speak to sort of what their economic agenda is going forward? What are they going to actually be offering uh, as a vision for why we should remove Walker? And so this debate's going to be occurring. Yeah, so I think the to start with, before we get into any specific stances of what our candidates have put forth, this is a tricky situation, but it's getting less tricky as polling continues to come out that Wisconsinites are really paying attention and want this to slow down and are questioning the the massive giveaways and and the fast-tracking of this legislation. So, you know, any candidate can't be opposed to job creation, right? Like, that is just... You can't say, no, we don't want to have jobs in Wisconsin, so this deal is complete garbage. Um, But this deal is complete garbage with all of the other pieces that come with it, um, from deregulation and ruining the environment to, you know, the big payouts that this company could get. So this is going to be a tricky line for a lot of candidates to walk to be in support of job creation, um, but also figuring out where that sort of key is. Before we go to Robert, Jorna, you're absolutely right. And part of it is, and I think we mentioned this on the last show, there really isn't an alternative economic agenda that Democrats have. So what this requires 
if you're not going to get caught in that box is to actually have your own vision of what <laughs> of what that agenda is right and I, before we get to robert we you know robert articulately laid it out on how we could be spending this money what would the vision look like to actually create economy around the state if you can't articulate that and if you actually don't believe in investing in that you don't have an alternative plan you're going to be constantly in this box Correct. of having to like sort of take whatever the uh, competing lowest denominator of the other states will will allow you when you're in competing for businesses as opposed to charting your own idea of what you ought to be doing, Robert. So Jordan is absolutely right, and we need to get up beyond this idea that we can win, that is we as in Democrats, if we want to use that as the we, uh, simply by being against what Walker wants. We have to have an actual economic vision. So you have to compare a bold, exciting economic vision and economic development plan for the whole state that you were offering as a candidate versus Foxconn, right? And it, that's where it pales in comparison, since by, by the metrics, this should not be producing 35,000 jobs. And that 35,000 requires you to believe the supply chain theory and the theory we heard in the hearing that this is going to help lacrosse because uh, Foxconn will, out, will source to lacrosse. Why on earth, when it's on the Chicago border with Illinois, would it source to lacrosse instead of Chicago, just for example? It's an absurd proposition. But if you believe those propositions, it's still uh, much fewer jobs than it should be creating. And, that, and we should be talking about what we would do with $3 billion and be serious about it. And we haven't had a candidate for governor run that way in, 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 in memory. I don't even think Ed Garvey had a huge investment plan for the economy in 1998. He was the most movement progressive candidate in recent memory. Uh, so there's that. And you have, and I have to say, there, it, it's not that there aren't individual progressive Democrats that don't have a vision, right? Some of the legislators, like Jonathan Brostoff, like Amanda Stock, like Chris Sinicki, like David Crawley, did a very good job at the hearing. Senator Weinhout um, ha has been against the plan right away. There are probably others I'm missing, but I'm saying where's the unified alternative vision to Walker? That's the, pro that's the problem here. Well, they can't point to like, we have this plan that we tried to get in the legislature that was like a $5 billion investment for renewable energy that would create 100,000 jobs around the state and employ right. and how it connects to the tech system and the community college. Right. We don't have that plan, right? We didn't offer it, right? So, so, we, so it makes it harder, but we got to get about it. And this is the opportunity. Um, look, I'm going to cut off the conversation here. We're not going to talk about specific Dem candidates because I want to talk about that next week. So we're all going to do our research on what people are saying, but I want us to switch to healthcare real quick, Jorna. We got to talk about, first of all, what Ron Johnson said, and then Robert, I need you to talk a little wow. bit about, you know, a quick update and what we need to keep our eye on before we go away. Jorna, God, Ron, Ron John. Johnson's a piece of work. He just gets, he's like a gift that keeps on giving to Wisconsin, but like a bad well, one from say, Nightmare Before Christmas like, or something. The Grinch is your idea. Like, uh, so on Tuesday, he was on a Chicago uh, radio show and he and I quote, in regards to Senator John McCain's vote on the health care bill, quote, I am not going to speak for John McCain. You know he has a brain tumor right now. That vote occurred at 1.30 in the morning. Some of that might have factored in. Whoa, dude. <sighs> Rude. Wow. What these guys are forgetting... <laughs> That the Tea Party type says is that when they go on right-wing radio, and that's where he was in Chicago, that, that actually it becomes news when yeah. you say things like this. And it's still public record. Right. Uh, what and, is happening? And this is, 
Ron Johnson, who stood with McCain at a press conference also that had Lindsey Graham and had uh, Dr. Carson, the right-wing senator from Louisiana, saying they would not vote for this unless Paul Ryan uh, said that we would never make the skinny repeal law because it would be bad policy. It would make things much worse if you just did the skinny repeal. And only McCain followed through on his threat. So Johnson was part of a press conference that took McCain's position earlier in the day, uh, just to be clear. And then there's other evidence that McCain was far from addled because there are reports that he walked over to uh, Dianne Feinstein, the very hawkish Democratic senator from California, and Chuck Schumer, the Senate Democratic leader, and said, I'm going to put down this wounded dog, but you better not mess with me on military appropriations, That's which sick. sounds much more like the workings of the Senate <laughs> yeah, than what say, Johnson was describing. Ah, the Senate is alive and well. Ah, good to hear. Yes, yes. So, okay, Robert, so enough on Senator Johnson, who uh, hopefully... Uh, the analogies to Senator Fitzgerald, those might actually prove to be true. But let's talk a little bit about, again, what we ought to be doing. It, it does appear that they're not really moving on anything quick in the Senate. So there are opportunities here. We talked about uh, at the federal level, Bernie Sanders next month is going to introduce a Medicare for All. We have already talked a little bit about the state legislation around the public option that would allow everyone to have access to Badger Care, essentially Badger Care for All. A little bit more on that. What are, what are, what, any updates? Uh, well, as we've talked about, this would dramatically reduce, reduce people's health insurance costs and give people a public option. And uh, people could still choose private corporate health insurance if they wanted it, right? Uh, but they'd pay a lot less and they'd have a much broader uh, provider network. And we already set up the whole infrastructure for it. So it seems like a no-brainer. It will cost state government no money uh, to do this. And you could use the federal tax credits. So we worked with uh, Representative Genrich from Green Bay and uh, Senator Latanya Johnson from Milwaukee and others on, on drafting this, um, had early, early discussions with them, even suggested this as an approach. And Democrats have gotten a huge amount of credit for being strategic and creating a great issue uh, to show, and, and Isthmus Magazine, Isthmus Newspaper in Madison actually said it shows Democrats are ready to govern uh, that they uh, produce this legislation. But the other thing you know is I think that most possible candidates for governor will run on this, as will most legislators. And in addition to that, um, the right-wing infrastructure like McIver Institute, the Bradley Fo Foundation-funded entity, is already attacking it and trying to discredit it, which tells you they're worried about this as an issue. So I think that's the major update that this is going to be an issue in this next election. It's an example of how we can move forward in this state if we'll just get out of this right-wing dogma. So, folks, in case you're keeping score at home, and I like to keep score, uh, if you had an economic vision that maybe invested mm -hmm. a few billion dollars in renewable energy and creating jobs around the state, that would be pretty exciting. And maybe you actually uh, reconstructed... Uh, uh, WEDEC into something that would uh, make sure that jobs that were actually being created were being created, uh, support Badger Care for All, and maybe something around education. Huh, sounds like a plan for a plank to run for governor. Well, we'll just have, we'll talk more next week about uh, where some of the gubernatorial candidates stand, particularly on Foxconn as, uh, as that continues to flesh out. But before we go, I do want to mention uh, for those of you who like to watch sort of the politics nationally and see if there are any tea leaves as to what portends uh, for 2018, it is worth pointing out in Iowa this week uh, that the Democrats won a special election in a House seat. 
Now it is, it was a previously Democratic House seat, but this is a district that is basically 50-50. Trump won it by over 10 points, uh, and the Democrat last night won by, I believe, like uh, on Tuesday night by seven, seven or eight points. And the Republican scandalously tried to run on the transgendered bathrooms issue, so to yep. try to create a cultural wedge, and yep. he fell flat on his face as he deserved to. Yes. Yes. No, and <laughs> I'm so glad that you mentioned that because this is an important lesson, okay? This notion that somehow if we're going to speak about economic populism and, 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 and go out and talk to some of the voters we lost, that we have to abandon important critical advances on, on, on some of the most important cultural and social issues of our time uh, is not true at all. And they attempted to try to do that there in Iowa, a place where you would think that might work, and it backfired wildly. So with that, that is our uh, ray of hope here at the Battleground Wisconsin. And just to show how shameful it is that Literally, the whole dispute in Iowa came about because uh, uh, a transgendered 14-year-old committed suicide yeah. uh, over, over, over harassment and abuse. So anyway, with that, let's be hopeful. <laughs> wow, thanks, Robert. Yeah, I was going to leave a slightly more hopeful, but anyways, yeah. uh, we well, really, really do appreciate our guests, Carrie Schumann this week from the Wisconsin League of Conservation Voters, Ross Shukla from the River Alliance of Wisconsin, and of course our producer, Brian Woolwich, makes it happen every week. We will see you next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin.